0: Hello everyone, welcome to Cricket Ultras. This is Arun Sudaman. The Ultras of course are in lockdown and I'm happy to be joined today from their isolation recording studios. Darren Burns, how are you Darren? I'm good Arun in my isolation studio in Singapore. Just shadow batting? Shadow batting
1: yes, absolutely.
0: And Toby Doman, Toby. How are things?
1: Very good
2: morning. I'm all right. I feel feeling quite hirsute, just for just for listeners. Um, there's been some haircuts going on in lockdown, shall we say? I'll leave it at that. But yeah, I'm very good.
0: Thank you. I've gone for the full, uh, what is it, Usman Kawaja? <laughs> Viv Richards?
1: I think you're, you're outspoken to your coach a bit, aren't you? Do you ever get... I've spoken with
0: Paul. <laughs> yeah, Paul's the ju- Paul's the Justin Langer of the uh, of, of the company I work for. He often goes barefoot, and swims in the ocean, and meditates the <laughs> earth as well. <laughs> and and we have elite mateship is one of our values, right. Core values. One of our core values. By the way, we should say I've been I've continued watching the test. I think last time we talked about it. Toby, have you watched it yet? I haven't. I'm I'm still trying
2: to sort out my um, my snide Amazon um membership so i haven't got it yet but sorry uh, amazon i will pay for it sorry if anyone's listening from amazon
0: i'm sure you will toby there's there's obviously no other way to watch it other than paying for it yeah that 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 much is is clear so i I still haven't got to i've just got to them they've arrived in england oh the, the world cup that was it that was interesting it was quite a rose tinted Review of Australia's World Cup campaign. I saw the I clips of, uh, of of
2: Steve Smith being being hit. Uh, that's what I saw on on YouTube, and and that was pretty cool. Actually, that was really impressive access from from a viewer's perspective. They're you know, right in the heart of the changing room. I don't think I've ever seen that before, and it's pretty cool, right?
0: Yeah, we we actually that was what stood out when we discussed it on the last podcast. The the access is incredible, actually. Yeah, I think if you if you look at the kind of
1: the test at the uh, Lord's, that whole in- incident, they, they capture it very well. And also the Headingley test, obviously, as well, inside the dressing room, as those last couple of overs of bowl when Ben Stokes finally gets England over the line. It's, it's quite amazing footage. And you really get a sense of being a fly on the wall. It's, it's really, really well done.
0: tell you who has emerged as the star of the show for me, though. It's uh, Ricky Ponting. I mean, that guy... A.K. God. I just... I don't think I've ever come across a harder individual.
1: (laughs) Did you see the bit where he sprays David (laughs) Warner?
0: Yeah. 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 He just he's just I mean imagine him being your coach or your or your parent. I I just I mean he yeah he what a what a player he must have been. You can kind of see how. I mean, he never lost a World Cup. Actually, no, he did lose a World Cup final in 96 he didn't lose much and you can see why intense very intense I think Justin Langer is probably a little bit more mellow and maybe a better coach I like Ponting as a commentator too I think
2: he's really he's he's very um he's not overly partisan which I think sometimes is a bit of an issue with modern day commentators He's he's a very thoughtful guy I don't know is he is he positioning himself as to a
1: grandee of Australian cricket in the next 10 years he seems to be moving that way I think he's like a god. Like when they when they interview him and talk about him around the team, they just say, oh, whatever Ricky Ponting says is like gospel. So it's quite amazing how much they revere him. I mean, obviously he's he's been an important player, but just the reverence they have for him is, is really on a different level.
0: Yeah, it's not surprising though if you look at what he's accomplished. Yeah, he's a grandee, he's a god. he's. Uh, it, I don't know if it's a bit intimidating having him around, but good value on screen, no question. So we're going to talk about cricket books. I think we have some selections. Toby, you have a quiz as well, which I think our listeners will appreciate. Yeah, we are in the world of the, the virtual quiz right now.
1: That's the prize: dinner with a rune in
0: Hong Kong.
2: Virtual dinner, probably. Let's keep it. Let's keep it real. Yeah, the captain of the bolters. Yeah,
0: virtual dinner. Well, yeah, but I, I don't know. I hear there's like dressing room unrest. I'm not sure. <laughs> I don't know. I'm not, I don't know, there's this murmuring so if Some people are leaking Some people are leaking to the media Yeah, I'm not convinced So we'll do all that But first of all, let's talk about cricketers in isolation What's, What are they up to? What's happening on social media? I saw um, I haven't actually seen much uh, But I did see Virat Kohli and Anushka uh, Record a, a message about how important it is to Stay indoors and wash your hands and all the rest of it Which was nice What, what have you guys got? I think the biggest news was Joss Butler's World Cup shirt, wasn't it?
1: He put it up oh, for auction. Yeah,
0: I saw something about that. Yeah, he put it up for auction. I think he got, what did he get, Toby? 60, 60 or 70 grand?
2: Yeah, 65,000 65, pounds, which is what, about
1: 80,000 80, US maybe? Yeah, so for the RBH charity, right, which is, which is cool.
0: Yeah. Ricky Ponting's been showcasing his bats. Is that, have I seen that? I'm sure I've seen that.
2: Yeah, World well Cup, World well Cup final bats, wasn't
0: it? Yeah, his bats look as hard and as gnarled as he. Does. <laughs>
1: Definitely, Jimmy Neeshan has been
0: trolling Steve
1: Smith um, with his dog. There was a po- there was a picture of Steve Smith holding a dog posted by the ICC, and I think Jimmy Neeshan went up there with a whole bunch of pictures of dogs. <laughs> him with dogs.
2: Uh, the, the stuff I've seen recently is not necessarily players, but it's the it's the back and across guy, which I quite enjoyed, which has got universal. PR coverage um Mark Church is a BBC London commentator um he for those of listening that haven't seen it is a is a professional commentator like most commentators he's a freelance these days so obviously he's out at work so he's kind of bored and so he's manufactured uh, this rather interesting look, look back at key cricketing moments with his uh, nine-year-old daughter who's often with him also with the comms, headphones on, looking quite bored, doing her homework, drinking some lemon tea. Uh, and it's a very good summariser. So, you know, sort of Church does his thing and sort of explains, you know, a classic test moment, for example, and asks his 10-year-old daughter for searing insight about, um, you know, Ricky Ponting's guards or Steve Harmison's action. So it's very, very good. Um, but I, I've sensed in the last week that Isabel, his daughter, is now bored and he... She's losing interest. He's having to do his own thing. So he's doing the garden furniture test where he's basically got big chair, little chair, picnic table uh, in the slips and he's using a wall and a tennis ball and basically manufacturing these little clips with commentary and and sort of chirping behind the slips slash picnic table in his garden. So very inventive.
0: Yeah, he's good. Have you seen the um, guy playing cricket in his living room and using a treadmill? (laughs) <laughs> to replicate running between the wickets.
2: I have. He's good good he's very good between the wickets, that guy. That was good.
0: Anything from actual cricketers? Not so much
1: a social post, but I think some of the news that, you know, Ben Stokes being named cricketer, best cricketer in the world by Wisden in the last few days is quite interesting. So it's also the five of them, every year they name five, don't they? So there's Stokes, Archer, Pat Cummins, Manus Lavascogny or Lavashine, and Elise Perry. So a very Anglo-centric bunch there.
0: But that's Wis- Wisdom's five cricketers of the year are always based on the English summer, aren't they? That's probably true, actually.
1: Yes, you're right. Yeah,
0: point. I think that's always the case. I think they also do a global cricketers of the year thing, but I think that's... Well, at least Perry wasn't playing there in the summer, right? So I think it's...
1: I think it is. I, well,
0: certainly, of- historically, Wisdom's five cricketers of the year have always been based on the English summer. So you'd have, like... Three international players, and then like Keith Piper would suddenly appear on the list, <laughs> or so you know, or someone like that. I don't even know who that is. He'd be like, Who's I mean, Keith Piper? <laughs> really obscure Warwickshire wicket Good knowledge, just, that's very good. That I quite like yeah. it. <laughs> <laughs> the only reason I remember Keith Piper is he was in my fantasy team once when Alan Donald had Warwickshire, and he got me a ton of points just from court behind. And then he got banned for taking cocaine. Whoops. So there you go. Keith Piper, um, but yeah, so that was always the thing with Wisdom, but which is actually a good point because Wisdom just came out yesterday. Do any of you guys actually still read Wisdom? I'm, I'm always curious to know.
2: I do, I do. I like the website, right? Do you, what do you think, um, guys? Are you are you sort of? I, I used to read it when I was younger because the almanac is sort of very big, heavy, slightly intimidating document, but now it's a little bit more accessible online, I think.
1: Yeah, I just bookmarked it yesterday after reading about these um, the, the, the Wisdom winners. So. It's kind of interesting, right? It's, um, and what I did get hooked on yesterday was the quizzes. Wisdom has these amazing quizzes you can go on and do online. So if you're bored, go to wisdom.com. There's a bunch of quizzes there. For example, you've got to name all the English batsmen who have scored double hundreds after 2000. You know, highest IPL run scorers. It's quite fun, actually.
0: You know, what we should do on the next episode is we should have like a quiz off, actually, where the three of us have to quiz each other. For the title of ultimate <laughs> ultra cricket knowledge, you'd be you'd be pulling out
1: things like that. We from Warwickshire, wouldn't you?
0: <laughs> well, yeah, but Darren, I think you could you could pull out a lot of stuff from uh, Queensland grade cricket, no doubt. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I'm sure we all have our specialist areas. Anyway, one to think about. But wisdom is gives us a good segue because we wanted to talk about cricket books, books that can help. We talked about documentaries and films last time. And of course, there's so so many cricket books out there. And this is the time to read them, I suppose, while everyone is in lockdown. I think I think cricket more than any other sport, except perhaps boxing, has produced the greatest body of, of writing, honestly, whether that's literature or nonfiction. There's like so many cricket writers going back almost 100 years. You, you kind of start with Neville Cardis and Frank Keating, EW Stanton and then more modern writers like Gideon Hay and Christian Ryan and ex-players as well who've emerged as writers but there are so many books so there's quite a lot I think it's going to be hard certainly for me to to kind of not mention too many but why don't we if we kind of have maybe our three favorites and also perhaps mention some some other honorable mentions that we all like if that works for everyone. So I think if we do it one by one, that would work quite well. So Darren, do you wanna go first with them? With any honorable mentions? Yeah, honorable mentions, I think
1: I'm actually reading a book about Kim Hughes at the moment. Do you remember him? Oh, is it Golden Boy? Golden Boy, yes. A gun batsman in the 70s and 80s for Australia. He was probably the second captain that cried uh, live on TV, Steve Smith being the second. Um, Kim Hughes went for a torrid time. I, I think it was always felt that Rod Marsh should be captain, and he was named captain of Australia during the, the World Series era. Uh, he had a torrid time, but a great batsman. You can go on to some of the old YouTube clips and watch him bat. He, he was known as Twinkle Toes um, and really an amazing player of spin and fast bowling. He, I remember seeing him at the MCG once score 100 knot out against the West Indies. Uh, Australia was bowled out for 150, and he scored 100 knot out on a really difficult wicket. Uh, amazing batsman, but really was, was struggled. I think with internal strife within the camp. So the book is called "The Golden Boy: The Bad Old Days of Australian
0: Cricket." Yeah, that's a classic. Actually, that is that almost made my top three. It makes a lot of people's top fives, top tens. It's a, it's a. Like I think we talked about it a bit last time. It's a good insight of. I mean, quite honestly, it was kind of a bullying culture in that dressing room. It and really was. Kim Hughes fell prey to it. Uh, but yeah, wonderful book. Any other honourable mentions from you? Yeah, there's
1: a few. Um, recently, I read Cricket 2.0. Uh, it's really about inside the T Twenty revolution. So it's by Tim Wigmore and Freddie Wild. Um, it's a really interesting book on the evolution of T Twenty from it being kind of a joke uh, in the early 2000s to this to this sort of huge enterprise that it is today. Some of the interesting things that they, the authors talk about is that you know they think that the IPL will become like the NBA is to basketball, where it might become a longer season. It just gravitates all the players from all over the world and, and India becomes an even stronger cricketing power. Uh, and we see that happening already. But if you think about it, it makes sense with the network effect, right? Where the money is, the players are, everyone gravitates in toward, more towards India. And so it's a really interesting book. Uh, not a long book, so i right, check it out. It um, has a, some really good reviews from Mike Atherton and people like that. So check it out. It's a great book, Cricket 2.0. All right. Any more from you, Darren? Am I going to name my favourite or am I going to name my, a
0: few more? No, we'll do, we'll just do the, we'll do our HMs first, shall we? And then we'll move on to the top One three. One of the most interesting books I read a
1: while ago, I think maybe almost 10 years ago was Daryl Hare's book. Um, <laughs> if you remember... Isn't this in your top three? The umpire, um, Daryl Hare. Oh, how, how can we forget Daryl Hare? So Daryl Hare had two main claims, or well, three main claims to fames. First of all, he nobled Murley during, in 1995 in Australia which surprised a lot of people because he'd been playing for quite a while. And his gut feeling was right, of course, Bill Laurie. They were quite incredulous. He, he called a few no balls, I think, first up. Uh, people weren't sure what he was calling no balls for. Was it a back foot no ball, a front foot no ball? And they realised it was for throwing. So that was his main claim to fame.
0: Yeah, they, they walked off, didn't they, the Sri Lankan team? They walked off the pitch. I, I'm not sure, but in 2006, if you remember in England, in the Pakistan-England game. Oh, yeah. Inza Mum, they walked off. They didn't return. That's right. They didn't return it's after tea. Right.
1: I mean, because everyone's written, he's, he's almost been ostracized in the media and everyone's blamed him for the call, but it actually, all the umpires agreed that the ball had been scuffed up unnaturally. Um, he claims that he looked at the ball 15 minutes prior and it had been quite smooth. Then he looked at it 15 minutes later and he showed the other umpire, Billy Dockdrove, and they obviously they, they thought that it had been tampered with. There was big scuffs out of the side of what, one of the sides of the ball. So what happened was, there was bad light offered, I think. There was a five-run penalty, sorry. Then bad light was offered before tea. And so they asked the, the Pakistan players to come out after tea. They refused to take the field. Uh, and then it talks all about the shenanigans that went on with the ICC and the ECB um, on how to get the game restarted. Because obviously, if you don't take the field, they were warned three times, didn't take the field, therefore the game is forfeited. But the powers that be were trying to call him to get them to overturn their decision, which they refused to do. Because according to the laws of cricket, once you forfeit the game, it's forfeited. You can't restart the game. Um, and obviously he was he was stepped down as, a, as an umpire the next year. Um, and it goes through all that. But, but recently I found out last night when I was doing a bit of research, which is unusual for me, um, that he was actually convicted of stealing recently. Daryl Hare. Daryl Hare. So he works... He was working at a bottle shop, a liquor store, and he took over a period of time nine thousand dollars from the till. Um, they, say, <laughs> they say they say that he had a gambling problem, and and and, it, and it's true. I think in his book, he had a gambling problem. What in his, in his wow. book? In his book, he used so many racing metaphors, like uh, horse racing metaphors. I don't think he gambled on cricket, but obviously on the horses he was big into it. Because in his book, it's littered with it's littered with analogies and and. And metaphors around horse racing so you know Daryl Hare had a really big big fall from grace you know at one stage I think he was ranked the number one umpire in the world or number two uh and he had a really strong fall, fall from grace so I kind of feel sorry for the guy but a fascinating book
0: yeah interesting I mean he wasn't he's not popular in the subcontinent that's all all I can really say he's one of those Darryl faces Hare. that
2: you I, I was watching some old cricket last week and just I don't know. It was a golden age of umpires. Steve Buckner was on
0: this program, I was watching. And Buckner's also a terrible umpire. But he's kind of one of these
2: characters that you sort of—I don't—I couldn't really name you many Dickie umpires Bird. these days.
0: Yeah, yeah.
2: What's happened? Met, to
0: well, who's the guy with the crooked finger? He was Billy Bowden. Really yeah, was Billy Bowden.
2: No, maybe there's a feature in that somewhere for future podcasts. Uh, umpires of
0: yesteryear. Anyway. Yeah. Okay, Toby. What books didn't make your top three? Well, I
2: look. I don't have a top three. I'm on, I'll be honest with you. I'll, I'll, I'll be. Toby, I'll, have you read I'll any cricket books? With you, but I'm curious have, to I, know. I do have. Uh, <laughs> I do have a Dickie Bird anecdote for you. Uh, so, so I was actually going for a, an interview uh, at a university. This is going back 20 years, and I was uh, sat in this rather grand room with a tutor who was asking me, "What? so what literature have you read? And the only book I could actually think of, and they genuinely said this, was Dickie Bird's autobiography. And this was to do a French, a French literature course, and so the tutor sort of kept a straight face and asked me to say, "Well, what did you find interesting about the book, and, and why did you bring it up?" And it's genuinely true that was the, I wasn't really reading much literature because my school didn't do it. So I read Dickie Bird's autobiography, and we had this very awkward in French exchange about autobiographical merits of, uh, of Dickie Bird's autobiography. So I've read, I've read that and enjoyed it. The other book I've read recently, and I say read, it was actually an audio book because it involves uh, cricket commentator Henry Blofeld, who's got a very distinctive voice. Anyone that hasn't heard him, he's sort of fondness for Woodhouseian style delivery, and he's had a front row seat uh, in Test match cricket and other my forms, actually. Oh well, yeah, my dear old, thing. dear old
0: thing. Some of
2: the some of the language is hilarious. You know, he's, he he got married with his wife and tootled down the aisle with her, for example, when his. When his Father passed away, he uh, described it as him putting his cue in the rack rather than actually dying, uh, and described the experience of corporal punishment in a splendid euphemism which was getting castled by a ball that should have been left alone, which was quite fun. And he has this wonderful tale of meeting Noel Coward in Jamaica while England toured the West Indies, and he went for dinner at Noel Coward's house, and he says, Noel Coward's two male friends take their guard somewhere between Slip and Gully, which was rather good. So I think it's a very nice... Uh, romp through cricketing history and definitely worth listening to his voice rather than reading because that's kind of the fun.
0: Yeah, sure. Okay, I got a few honorable mentions. Actually, Golden Boy was one of them. I think that's that's a really good book. The Art of captaincy by Mike Brealey is really worth reading. Quite interesting leadership lessons in there. It's written quite a while back. There's a, a book. By Osman Samiuddin, called the Unquiet Ones, about Pakistan cricket. It's probably the best book on Pakistan cricket that I've read, um, and does a good job of kind of, I think, showcasing the kind of unpredictability and and um, talent and and passion and madness in Pakistan cricket really well. The 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 cricket diary is is a sort of genre all of its own. I feel this this. Quite a lot of them. There's like the county diary. Then I think Australian captains also come out with their own annual season diary. I think Steve Waugh was the first to do it, but I think I think they all do it now. I think the best one of those I've read is actually the ones that I enjoy are the ones by county professionals because they're like there's there's zero glamour in county cricket, and so this book, a lot of hard yakka by Simon Hughes. I think it was one of the first of these types of diaries to be written. And it, it's not a diary of a season, it's actually of his, of his county career, but it gives you a really good insight into just the sheer numbing tedium of county cricket, the kind of treadmill and the drinking, but it's actually a lot of fun. He's a very, very good writer, Simon. He's very funny. He wrote several books after that, this one, I think, with Diminishing Returns. Another good one on the same theme is um, Pringle. What's his name? Derek Pringle? Yeah, his autobiography... Came out, I think, last year, and that was really good as well. I'm pushing the boundaries. Yeah, it's basically all about. I mean, he played for England, so he has some good tales. Ian Botham features a lot. Ton of drinking in it. County cricket and Derek Pringle is quite an interesting guy. Quite unorthodox. You know, was really into music, sort of left wing. Didn't really fit into cricket in the 80s. I think when there was, you know, a lot of Thatcherism about. So it's quite an interesting story. And just a couple of others uh, in the corner of a foreign field. Uh, a corner of a foreign field by Rama Chandra Guha is a really good uh, history of cricket in India, which I would recommend. I mean, there's tons more, but I think that's probably enough for for that list. So, Darren, tell us your your top three. What's what's your favourites?
1: Well, I think you know, a couple. I, I also like The Art of Captaining by Mike brealy I think it's a great leadership book. I think I remember in- Oh,
0: sorry, one more. One more I need to just mention before I go. The Cricket War by Gideon Hay, which is... Have you read this, Darren? Yes, I have. In fact, I think it's a documentary as well. And no it's a documentary, just, but I haven't watched the documentary, but yeah, I've read the book. Brilliant. Brilliant book. The inside story of Kerry Packer's World Series cricket. It's just fascinating. You forget what a seismic event this was. In the cricket world, can you imagine it happening? All the top players suddenly decamp for like an unauthorised league. Yeah, just
1: just how some people were
0: in the group and some people were out. So in the same team, half the team would have
1: been already signed up for World Series
0: cricket. They couldn't talk to the other players and it created
1: this huge divide amongst the teams, right?
0: Huge divide and just the level of detail in it and the planning that went into it. I mean, it's, it's a brilliant book. I mean, Gideon Hay, I think, probably is the best cricket writer of the last 25 years. Weirdly, none of his books made my top three, but The Cricket War is excellent. His book on Shane Warne is really good. There's one that he did a history of like a spin bowler, which is also really good. But anyway, sorry, I was interrupting you. Please continue. No worries. My top three, The Art of Captaincy by Mike Brearley. I think it's a
1: great, great book. You, know, you talked about it earlier. I think once Ian Botham described Brearley as having a degree in people. So he's probably one of the best man managers there I was as a captain. Um, not the best player, obviously, but really had a good understanding of the game and how to get the best out of people. Um, particularly some combustible personalities like both of them. So that's a great book. Then, you know, a little bit of recency bias, I guess. Um, the two books on the Newlands ball-tampering incident, one by one called Steve Smith's Men by Jeff Lemon; the other one is Crossing the Line by Gideon Haig. I think they're both worth reading. Jeff Lemon's is much more of an eyewitness account, I guess more poetic and comedic, full of metaphor. It's quite interesting and, and fun to read. He was actually there on the day. The other one is a more forensic approach by Gideon Hague, who interviews about 50 players, ex players, to try and come up with why the thing went down as it did. So both are, are interesting reads. Have a look at both. And I think.
0: I've read the Jeff Lemon one, it was gripping. I thought what was really interesting about Jeff Lemon is the context. He goes into the backgrounds of the Australian players. The stuff on David Warner. Is really interesting. And the culture in the team, he really, I think, nails it. Yeah. And he just, the way he describes some of the, some of the, some of, the, um,
1: some of his metaphors are great. I mean, there's a Mitch Marsh one where he says, Mitchell Marsh is about Mitchell Marsh facing spin. He was at Clydesdale trying to pick blackberries with his teeth. <laughs> That's a good way to describe Mitch Marsh. Really, he's like a Clydesdale, this big horse, big solid unit, you know, trying to be finesse with, finesse these spinners. But yeah, it's definitely worth looking at. He also, has a great section on you know how candace fell zone, was totally dragged through the mud by the media by the crowd um totally demonized um david want his wife that's where i
0: first saw the phrase chemical brothers in relation to the to the marsh boys as well which is um which i will never forget such a gr- great description of them and i remember
1: hey getting hay being interviewed and he said that there was this whole review done by the um by the Australian board, wasn't there after? after oh Williams. yeah, the review. And then yeah. his was much cheaper, much quicker, and probably much more accurate than theirs.
0: Yeah, and, but I don't know about the Gideon Hay book, but Jeff Lemons is also really good on the, the corporatization of the Australian cricket board, which is, you know, in a way that you can see that in the test as well. I mean, that's that's an interesting story. Yeah, for sure. In, you know, on its own. Go to number one. Um, th-
1: th- th- that's kind of one and two. Just, rec- it's a bit recency bias, I guess. But the other one is is I discovered my dad pulled up for me last time when I was back in Australia, these cricket books I used to have as a youngster, and there's one test cricket that was published every summer in Australia. It has this great photos and captions and handwritten score sheets and sort of summaries of all the test matches that happened over the summer. This one is from 1979-80, of course, just after World Series cricket. Um, So you see a lot of the players. I told you before we went on air about the great picture of Greg Chappell's Chasing a streaker at the MCG and the caption reads, A streaker to Greg Chappell is like a red rag to a bull. Very interesting stuff. Bit of memorabilia.
0: Greg Chappell is the bull in this metaphor. He's such a great batsman though, wasn't he, Greg Chappell? Go online and watch some of his innings against the West Indies if you're bored. But such a such a stiff, seems like such a stiff whenever you see him. Whenever he's in person. Don't know. Doesn't seem like the most personable guy. So those are mine. Yeah, cool. It's so funny with cricket books, though. I, I was—I I remember this book I used to read when I was a kid, and it was a—it was a book that replaced. It was a book about cats that play cricket. So it was like a cartoon <laughs> book, and it took the names of players and turned them into cat names. So like Mike Gatting was Mike Catting, <laughs> and this was a really fat cat Shane that could bat well. Yeah, exactly. Shane Claw and there was Ven- Venkat, <laughs> as you might expect, and, you know, et, et cetera. So that uh, that one sticks in the mind. It's another book I just wanted to slip in before I get to my top three. Balam to Bal- Bollywood, Darren. We we discussed this last time when we were talking about Lagan. Mm. This is the book by Chris England, who played like a bit part role in Lagan, the movie. Toby, maybe you're not familiar with cricket books, but maybe you're familiar with cricket movies. The Bollywood film *Lagan*, which is about, which is like, I don't know if you've you've seen it or heard of it, but it's a kind of an epic. It's, on, it's on Netflix. India. You can watch it. It's on Netflix. It's about India vanquishing the the, the despicable English uh, <laughs> on on the cricket field, throwing off the yolk. And this guy, Chris England, plays a bit part. But the best bit about it is. You know, he's right. It's this production in the middle of the desert in India. And he's a kid, you know, he's a guy from Surrey, an actor who also plays amateur cricket. So there's all the fish out of water stuff, which is great. But the whole book is basically leading up to um, a match between the Indians on the production team and the English uh, on the production team. And it's quite interesting. And um, I think the English win in the end. So, uh, yeah, just despite that, it was still a good book. Right, so my top three, I have War Minus the Shooting by Mike Markese, who is, I think he's an American, which is really weird, uh, but he's written some good cricket books. He wrote, wrote one called Anyone But England, uh, that's which that's is a book me. about how... I like it already. Yeah, you you <laughs> would love it, Darren. I mean, I loved it. I fell in love with it just from the title. <laughs> it's basically a book about how in the Commonwealth... People just want anyone but England to win. And he wrote a whole book about it, which is fantastic. But War Minus the Shooting, though, is about the 96 World Cup, which I think, and what it does really well is it captures that moment in cricket history when India just kind of suddenly accelerated and exploded as a cricket market. Star TV, that World Cup was, I don't know if you remember it, but it was quite crazy in a way. And that was the World Cup where they refused to play in Sri Lanka, right, because there were bombings. And then Sri Lanka ended up winning the final against Australia in a huge upset. And it was kind of a coming of age. It's it's just a really good book that brings to life that World Cup, the rivalries. Anil Kumble taking a
1: bunch of wickets, right? I think he was the highest wicket taker.
0: Anil Kumble did well. India uh, lost to Sri Lanka in the semifinals, Didn't complete the match because the crowd at Eden Gardens started rioting. You know, Tendulkar was in his like absolute prime. It was a really. And you think of all the players in that tournament. I mean, it's like a uh, you know West Indies. I think were really good at that point still. Uh, and it's just a really really gripping kind of read about the tournament, about India's emergence, about the rivalry with Pakistan, about Sri Lanka, about the role of Australia and England. A really good, probably the best book I've read on the geopolitical aspect of cricket. So that's probably my number three. My number two is Rain Men. I'm really surprised neither of you have read this because as club cricketers, as amateur cricketers, this is the greatest ever book about club cricket. And hence, it's called Rain Men, uh, because you all know the role rain plays yeah. in uh, in amateur cricket. I mean, it's just brilliant. It just captures the um, the kind of sheer kind of inanity of amateur cricket, that how bad everyone is, um, how terrible the pitches are, the kind of mindless drinking, the fact you end up hating everyone on your team. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, it, and he, you know, all the characters in the team. Everyone that's played club cricket will recognise them. There's like, there's the opening bowler who maybe once was was brisk, but now can barely crack forty five miles an hour. There's you know the batsman who average less than five, um, and 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 maybe have one shot that they can unfurl. You know, every two weeks or so, and just the fact that people do it year after year after year. I mean, it's brilliant. He's a wonderful wonderful writer he's a journalist rainman pops up on pretty much every book list of great cricket books uh, marcus berkman i highly highly recommend it it's hilarious as well i really think it's for, for casual readers in particular i think it's a really good book because it's about life really rather than cricket and cricket is life it is and my number one finally again another book that often comes top is Beyond the Boundary by C.L.R. James. Quite an odd book, a little bit heavy, but actually... So it's a book that combines uh, West Indian nationalism, communism, race, and cricket. And it it does sound... I mean, that kind of combination... I remember when I started reading it, I remember thinking, well, this isn't going to be much fun. You know, there's a lot of stuff about colonialism in there. But it's actually really accessible, and it's brilliant. It's utterly brilliant, and it's a wonderful history of West Indian cricket. The actual portraits of the cricket players from kind of Walcott to Warrell and Weeks and you know Clive Lloyd and others are fantastic. And it, I, I guess, it's just a really good uh, description of the role cricket has actually played in uh, West Indian identity in uh, west indies um emergence not as a nation but as a group of nations and and in terms of shaking off british colonialism um I haven't actually read it in a while. I read it like twenty years ago but um I think it's highly worthwhile and I should probably read it again rain Men. i'm going to read that now rain men i really read i mean rain men is is a lot of fun i mean i i do think beyond a boundary is is a better book but Rain Man is, is more fun. I'm just ordering it now on
2: Amazon, actually.
0: <laughs> wow, look at that. Amazing. No, rain, you guys will love Rainman, I guarantee it. Guarantee it. So there's our top three listeners. And, you know, if you guys have any recommendations, please do let us know because there's, there's tons of books out there. There's a really good book that Phil Edmonds' wife wrote about touring, I seem to recall. I can't remember the name. I mean, cricket tours themselves are always kind of fertile ground yeah especially ones with lots of incidents going on yes indeed toby now is your moment well i mean we've
2: talked about the the good side of cricket literature there's a lot of bad and the bad comes in the form of biographical titles i think there must be like a sort of fortune cookie machine or something that that churns them out so i've got a selection of very exciting biographical titles uh and then i've got some tests for you so let me shall i run through some of my favorites that i managed to find from the last 40 years yeah um please do so menace the autobiography which is 2003 blockbuster by dennis Lilly. enjoyed that um there's obvious (laughs) yeah there's obviously a lot of fertile ground if you're an opening batsman so mike atherton went with opening up in 2003 very clever um oh i've got that right here yeah it's a good book a little bit of lack of creativity from Mr. Akram, who went with the title Wasim in 1998, just simply Waseem. Better than Waz, though. <laughs> two books here from Darren Lehman, uh, 2004 Worth the Weight, followed by a very heavyweight 2016 contribution simply titled Coach, which I quite liked.
0: Darren Lehman's written two books. Yes, yeah, which
2: sure. Worth the weight, I'm sure.
0: Are we sure he's read two books? <laughs> Ooh, what's
2: pretty me? That's libelous. Uh, 2012, his uh, esteemed sort of countryman uh, Shane Watson went with, can you guess, Watto. Henry Longa, this is a nice one. Blood, Sweat and Treason, which is a, a quite a dark story actually around Henry Longa. It's worth a, worth a look into his story. It's a good one. That, yeah, that's an
0: interesting one.
2: 2011, Speedster from Pakistan, I think Ralpindi, Pindi, Akhtar, controversially yours. Um, which is quite nice, and my favourite, I think, this is 1998's contribution to literary history, from Devon Malcolm. You guys are history! Exclamation mark! Which <laughs> is great. <laughs> written by a ten-year-old. Did he
0: actually say this? <laughs> I don't
2: know. It's written by Patrick Murphy and Devon Malcolm. Apparently, it says. And then just one little. There's a grouping. I think if you're a, if you're a wicket keeper, you've got a really seriously narrow bunch of words to 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 put your. Title two, So the gloves are off. Matt Pryor, that was obviously my life in cricket. Um, My family's keeper, Brad Haddon, 2017.
1: Oh, my family's keeper.
2: (laughs) Uh, And happy birthday, 58th birthday yesterday, to Mr Alex Stewart, who came up with playing for keeps in
0: 2004. (laughs) Hey, I forgot the Kevin Peterson autobiography. I mean, that's a classic. That is good. Just whole chapters where he just... I mean, just... uh, Takes down people he doesn't like in the England cricket team. I think it, I think Matt Pryor comes in for the harshest treatment. He's he's the dubbed big the big cheese, yeah. the big cheese in the book. And then is it Graham Swan doesn't come in well. Alistair Cook, Jimmy Anderson. No, no one
2: really comes out of it well. Yeah, that's a blockbuster. So let me give you a test, gentlemen. So you've heard some of the you've heard some of the best of the rest. Um, I've got five here for you, starting with a 2018 book. Its title is. 281 and beyond. Please, can you tell me the author? DDS
0: Lux. Oh, 10 points. 10 points. Uh,
2: 1996. Uncorked! Exclamation mark, diary of a Cricket Year. Oh. Dominic Cork. Very good. <laughs> we're getting good at this. Uh, 1997. We're going way back now. Uh, this is Sunny Days. Tell me the
0: author, please. Uh, that's Anuga Vasquez. Uh, very good. I've actually read that. It's terrible. Anyway. No <laughs> flaws on you. Uh,
2: 2010 now. Uh, back more up to date. No holding back for autobiography.
0: Michael Holding.
2: Oh, so you see this pattern here. And the final one. <laughs> the final one for your uh, delectation. 2016. Six Machine. I don't like cricket. I love it. Chris Gale. Yes. Ten points. <laughs> nice.
0: <laughs> <laughs> That's it. Six very Machine. Good. Oh, my God. <laughs> God, yeah. That's. I've got another one for you. Who wrote in 1991 autobiography called Hitting Across the Line? 1991,
1: hitting across the line. Uh,
0: David Gower. No, Gower's autobiography. I think is just called Gower. Where are they from? Which country? If I tell you, you'll get it. They're British. I tell you, you'll get it. Yes. Well done. Here it is. It's not the best autobiography. It's got a chapter in it, though, about um, Viv's reputation. Uh, let's say, off the field, in the bedroom. That Let, let's just let's just describe it. And uh, you know, he said that it was just part of his life as a cricketer. He had many opportunities, and uh, he he took many of them. Hitting across
2: the line in the bedroom and on the pitch. That's clever.
0: Yeah, it's it's quite a chapter, especially when you're like a a kid reading it, and you come across <laughs> this chapter that has nothing to do with cricket.
1: There's one book I want to read. I, I just came across it looking up, you know, interesting cricket books. It's called one word wasted question mark. Oh, is that Herschel Gibbs? It's by Paul Smith. Now, not Paul Smith, the designer, but Paul Smith was part was an all rounder, a part of Warwickshire's all round all round, all, sorry, all conquering Warwickshire side of the. Mid nineties. They had a reputation for partying hard and playing hard.
0: Well that, that was also key, the Keith Piper era and Brian Laura.
1: And Dermot, and Dermot Reeve as well. Yeah, he was banned for two two years for for failing a drugs test in ninety-six.
0: Looks kind of interesting though. Wasted. They all did. That would be quite a night out with the workshop. <laughs> one of the worst titles I saw
1: too, you'll probably get this one straight off the bat. Driving Ambition. <laughs>
0: It's not Virat Kohli, is it? No. Okay. He's an Englishman. Well, kind of Englishman, I guess. Oh, kind of Englishman? Tony Greig? No. So it's, it's like a South African or someone who's became English. Yes. Yeah, I don't know. Andrew Strauss. Mm. I'm, I'm never going to read Andrew Strauss's autobiography. Yeah, no, no, no. I'm just going to tell you right now. <laughs> that, that title, Driving Ambition, it turns you right off, doesn't it? Drousey. Uh I tell you a good one. Coming back to me, that's Strasberg, right? Yeah, that's a good book. Yeah, I heard that's good. That's a I that. good. I have to read yeah, that. that's a good book. Playing it my way could be
1: anyone. It could be anyone. You
0: can't Google it. <laughs> Playing my
1: way. Um, yeah. Oh, Suag, of Suag.
0: No, it's um, close. His opening card. Uh, uh, Sachin oh, Okay.
1: It must be a very boring book, is it?
0: I have not read it. <laughs> Apparently, though, he, uh, he doesn't pull his punches. It, it is quite boring, apart from the section on Greg Chapel, where Sachin doesn't pull his punches. One of the funniest things I listened to, I, I was listening to a podcast the other day, Don't Make Fun of Me, and they were talking about
1: the ball of the century. And they did a phone interview with Mike Gatting, who was eating a piece of toast at the time. And <laughs> he's on the phone talking to them, to Simon Hughes, I think, and he's actually eating. You can hear him going, yeah, it's... <laughs> <laughs> like, and they made a big joke of it. it's like you know we always make fun of Mike getting at the buffet it's true he can't even help, help himself for 10 minutes on a phone interview <laughs> munching down his well, post there was a comment
2: after after that ball and someone I can't remember said if it was a cheese roll he wouldn't have let it go past
1: him so. <laughs> yeah yeah
0: yeah I, I, I do remember that would have got his foot across alright here, here's one for you underneath the southern cross oh that's is that Gilchrist or Hayden
2: no uh, Hussey Yes, correct. Oh,
0: it is hussy. Mr. Cricket. Mr. Cricket. Okay, here's a good one. Start the car. Oh, Bumble. Bumble, correct. David Lloyd. Standing my ground. Gosh, we could do this forever.
2: <laughs> I think there's one person employed globally, by the way, to come up with all crickets as titles. That's why they're all the same. <laughs> Standing my ground
0: is... Uh, any, anyone?
2: Who doesn't no? walk? Yes. Who's got a reputation for not walking?
0: Uh, Adam Gilchrist. Yeah, actually. <laughs> Steve Waugh. <clears throat> no, Matthew Hayden. Oh, yeah. I am not surprised. A clear blue sky. <laughs> <laughs> doesn't make any sense, this one. Well, fielding a third man, you know,
1: during the summer or whenever, it's looking up at the blue sky. Somebody's no, it's, um,
0: it's Johnny Besto. I don't understand it at all. Because of his eyes? Eyes. <laughs> 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 doesn't make... It, oh, here's, here's what Line and strength. Oh, this is terrible. Line, is, line and strength. <laughs> Not McGrath, is it? Yes. Oh, God. Yeah. terrible. <laughs> I can imagine
1: McGrath saying, I'm going with that. Publisher, I've got a great name for you. Look. Line and strength.
0: <laughs> oh, my God. These are so bad. These are so bad. I think we're bad. really meandering now, aren't No. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Well, it's lockdown. What else is there to say, man? What else is there to say? All right, cool. Anyway, those are some books. There are plenty more books. Get reading. There are tons of cricket books out there, and they're all—I mean, well, not—they're all very good. There are, <laughs> several of them are very bad. Um, Obviously, as we pointed out. Yeah, as we have pointed out, but many of them are good, and will hopefully provide some some sort of distraction from these times. So. Um, So we'll be back next time when we're going to do a giant cricket trivia quiz, apparently. That'll be fun. We'll see you all then. Thank you for listening. Take care. Thank you, Darren. And thank you, Toby.